Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode 13 of season 5 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. Two shows today. The Martin and Lewis Show, starring the, at the time, young comedy duo of Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, who shot to stardom in large part due to this radio program, and Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young, June Whitley, Rhoda Williams, and Ted Donaldson. Enjoy the June 12, 1949 broadcast of The Martin and Lewis Show, and the February 23, 1950 broadcast of Father Knows Best. Let's laugh! Laugh! <laughs> it's The Martin and Lewis Show! Wow! The National Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from New York, the Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest today, Burl Ives, and featuring Flo McMichael, Dick Stabile, and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. Everybody loves somebody sometimes. Everybody falls in love somehow. And Jerry Lewis. Everybody loves somebody sometimes. Everybody. I do it the hard way without music. <laughs> If you think candy's sweet, there's a girl you ought to meet. Sugar drips from her lips when she sighs. But a love light that lies within my baby's eyes. How it lies, how it lies, how it lies. She has style, she has charms, and a pair of loving arms that I'm dying to try on for size. But the love light that lies within my baby's eyes, how it lies, how it lies, how it lies. Oh, her name tops the list of every florist. Her bows are standing ten deep in line With all of the trees in the forest Why should I be the only clinging vine? Oh, there's heartbreak in store With the one that you adore Is a devil in the angel's disguise but the love light that lies is the love light that dies. How it lies, how it lies, how it lies. Well, Jerry and Dean are all excited because today they're going to record a new song for Capitol Records. We find them home in their apartment talking it over while they eat breakfast. Gee, Dean, I'm all excited about making another record for Capitol, aren't you? Sure, Jerry. Remember the fun we had making our first one? The money song in that certain party? Yeah, those were good songs, too. I wonder what song they've picked out for us to record this time. Well, don't worry about it now, Dean. Eat your breakfast. Uh, say, Jerry. Yeah, Dean? I want to compliment you on your cooking. This is the best coffee you ever made. You really like that coffee? No, I sure do. That's funny. It's molasses for the pancakes. <laughs> Hey, speaking of pancakes, uh, where are they? I was going to tell you about the pancakes, Dean. I wanted them to raise up nice and fluffy, so I added some yeast. Oh, yeast? Well, how much did you add? Well, the cakes are very small. I only threw in two dozen. <laughs> two dozen yeast? And what happened? You may not believe this, Dean, but our kitchen is now 27 feet high. <laughs> oh, there you go again. You're exaggerating it. Now, stop kidding around. I'm going to look through this mail. You're really proud of me, huh, Dean? I already complimented you, Jerry. I know, but gee, it's the first breakfast I ever cooked. Honest, Dean, what did you actually think of it? 
Well, Jerry, a true friend would answer that in, uh, in one or two ways. If he likes it, he'd say so, and if he didn't like it, he'd change the subject. Well? So how's the family? <laughs> Look here, Dean Martin, I'm sick of your insinuations. That's all I get around here, and to think that I've given you the best years of my life. Oh, Jerry. It's you! I spent the best years of my life bending over a hot stove. Every day, a hot stove, hot stove, hot stove. And, Dean... What? Would you buy me an asbestos apron? <laughs> I'm ruining my Hickok belt buckle. Well, we'll see about that. Have some toast, Dean? I just took it out of the toaster. Jerry, look at all the burnt black edges on the toast. Scrape it off first. Okay, I'll scrape it. Now for the other side. <laughs> well, we better hurry, Jerry. We record at 11 o'clock, and we still have to find out what song we're going to sing. I'm almost ready, Dean. I hope we can sing a good fast tune. Everybody likes a good fast tune. Well, according to our contract, we have to sing whatever they pick out, and I, uh, I sure hope they remember that uh, my voice is classified as a baritone. I wonder what I'm classified as. Well, offhand, I'd say you were a necessary evil. Necessary evil? How can you say that when all week I've been practicing pear-shaped tones? And just how have you been getting pear-shaped tones? Every morning I stick the Dick Tracy comic strip in my mouth and swallow it. <laughs> Every morning I stick the comic strip in my mouth and swallow I wish I was dead. <laughs> Jerry, we've got to see Mr. Allen at 11 o'clock to talk about our next recording. we better hurry and, uh, you know, get away. Come in, who is it? It's me. Hiya, Florence. Come in. Shall I make you some toast? No, thank you. My doctor told me not to eat any more carbon. <laughs> well, uh, you look kind of upset, Florence. Anything wrong? Well, I'm not complaining or anything, but I've been working for you for six weeks now, and I think it's about time you paid me my salary. But, Florence, we've given you a check each week. You've been paid in full right up to date. Check? That's right, Florence. You've been paid. It's just that instead of money, we gave you a check. That's what I say. I want my money. Florence, can't you understand? You take the check to the bank, and the men will cash it for you after you write your name across the back of it. Well, why should I write my name across the back of it? My name's already on the front. Florence McMichael, $35. It's a bank rule, Florence. It's a state law. Oh, you're just saying that. I bet anything the man wants me to write my name on it so he can ask me for a date. <laughs> Florence, the man isn't asking you for a date, and even if he was, he knows who you are from the front of the check. You know, Florence McMichael, $35. That's it. He's after my money. <laughs> All right, Florence, have it your way. Don't sign your name on the check. Oh, I wouldn't want to do anything illegal. I'd be in a fine fix if a man called the cops and they threw me into the hose gal. Hose gal? <laughs> Florence, it isn't hose gal, it's half brow. You know, Florence, it's not right for you to be running around loose. Dean's right, Florence. Have you ever thought of getting married? Married? Yeah. Well, I don't think a girl ought to rush into these things. What church shall I meet you at? <laughs> yeah, I can see it all now. Florence is married. A little ivy-covered cottage with a patter of tiny feet upstairs. Tiny feet? You mean... Sure. And if you've been reading the papers lately, it might even be quadruplets. Ah, uh, just what I've always wanted. Five kids. <laughs> Florence, you can stay here and file our papers in the mail. Jerry and I have to go see about the recording today. Oh, you're going to make a record? Well, yes, we are. We've been trying to think of songs to do. Have you heard that new one that goes, When you caught me near the chicken coop, Nellie, I knew you'd egg me on? No. There's another one I like. It's called, Don't Go Near the Hayloft, Mother. Pop's in there pitching with the maid. <laughs> I like is folk music. I heard one last night on the radio. A folk tune? What was it? 
Well, it was called It Was Apple Fritter Time South of Alabama, and after working on the railroad, I courted Sarah Lou, my lady fair, atop old Smokey while eating Jimmy Crack corn and drinking out of the little brown jug as the whispering green grass and the cool waters told my own true love would never fail me until I did. <laughs> Oh, you know, that that's a terrible song title. Who sang it? Dick Haynes. Well, for his kind of voice, it's not too bad. Say, Dean, are you really jealous of Dick Haynes? Well, of course not. What makes you say that? Well, you're always mailing him laryngitis germs. <laughs> Jerry, that's silly. It's absolutely impossible to send laryngitis through the mails. I inquired. favorite is a song I heard on the radio the other night. I heard Burl Ives sing it. It's called Two Black Eyes and a Broken Nose. That's the Curse of a Peeping Tom. <laughs> Sounds like a beat-up song to me. Oh, quiet you do. Come on, Jerry. We better go down to the recording studio. See you later, Florence. What song do you think we should sing when we make our next record? Oh, I don't know. We ought to try to get something different. <laughs> That's what I say, something different. Something that shows my voice off, too. Well, I don't like to say anything, Jerry, but it's my voice that should uh, predominate on our records. Oh. What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing at all. If I'm in your way, I'll step aside. Oh, Jerry. Ah, that's all right. <laughs> I know when I'm not wanted. Go ahead. Go your own way. Turn me out into the cold. Homeless, friendless, no money, no place to go. Nobody wants me. Two forlorn figures tramping the streets. Two forlorn figures? Yeah. Me and Mayor Haig. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but don't worry, Dean. I won't stand in your way. What do you care if I'm hungry? A dried-up bag of bones, walking aimlessly around in the rain, soaked through to the skin. Cold and wet and clammy and... Shivering and cold and... Dean. What? You got a hot water bottle? Ah, <laughs> oh, Jerry, now straighten up. We're almost there. And remember when we go in, let me do the talking. Okay, you do the talking. I wouldn't insist on it, but you're so soft. I can't help it, Dean. I've always been soft. Why, when I was a baby, the talcum powder used to bruise me. <laughs> well, here we are. Let's go in. Hey, Dean, look at the glass partitions. Yeah, and those fellas inside them are disc jockeys playing recordings. Disc jockeys? Let's open this door and listen. And here's another Bing Crosby record, White Christmas. And here's When the Blue of the Night Meets the Gold of the Day. And here's Tora Laura Laura. Well, who was that? Sinatra breaking Crosby records. <laughs> here's where we go in, Dean. Hi, Mr. Allen. Oh, oh, hello, boys. Boys, glad to see you. Sit down. Oh, uh, by the way, before I forget it, some woman's been hanging around the halls all morning. She wants to see you. Wants to see me? Yes, uh, she's starting a new fan club or something. Well, every little bit helps. Now, have you got a song picked out for us, Mr. Allen? Well, I've been giving it a lot of thought. Now, you boys were pretty good on uh, the money song, and you were even better on that certain party. But this time, we got to do something new, something different. Something different? Well, what's the matter with the way we sing now? Nothing, nothing, but you got to progress. You got to give them something different all the time, something new. Oh, you mean something like uh, classical? Mm, classical? I don't know. What do we know about classical music, Dean? The other night, we were listening to Toscanini, and we could hardly understand it. Well, of course we couldn't. You were making so much noise eating dinner, I couldn't tell if it was Tuscanini or Veal Scalopini. Well, now... <laughs> Maybe uh, classical isn't what we want either. Well, uh, you know, I'm Italian. Maybe I could sing something operatic, you know. Ridi Pagliacci. You know, something like that. How was that? Uh, well, uh, it's okay, but Ezio Pinza has been doing that for years, and what did it get him? What'd you say? I say, uh, Ezio Pinza has been doing that for years, and what did it get him? Mary Martin, and that's good enough for me. <laughs> boys, boys, opera is out. After all, we want something popular. I know something different. Do a foreign song like Jean Sablon does. You know, he sings, May I kiss your hand, madame? Your dainty fingertips, je les passer de tulle de patamel de colde. Je les pétrole de patrole de passer de. Mais tu les mets à celle de tu. 
That's French. <laughs> no, no, boys, you haven't hit it yet. Say, I just happened to think. You know who's one of our... You know who's one of our biggest record sellers? Burl Ives. Yeah, but he sings the folk songs. Well, what's wrong with that? Maybe that's the different thing I'm after for you guys. But we don't know anything about that kind of singing. Well, you can sure find out. Burl Ives is recording today. Go down the hall, listen to him, and come back and tell me what you think. Okay, you're the boss. See you later. You know, he may be right, Jerry. Maybe we should sing folk tunes. You know, after all, Florence likes them, too. Gee, Dean, I like the way you sing now. Yeah, but maybe it's time I change my style. Change your style? Oh, Dean, when I think of those voice lessons you had, those weeks of training, and all those months of listening to Perry Como records. <laughs> you know, the more I think about it, the more I think Mr. Allen is right. Oh, there you are, Mr. Martin. <laughs> you know, I knew you'd be here today, and I waited all morning to say hello. Oh, shut up! <laughs> Well, uh, uh, hello. Oh! Oh, that voice, that voice. Oh! When you speak, each syllable comes out wearing a sweater. <laughs> Say, lady, if you don't mind, we're... Oh, I suppose I should introduce myself. I'm Laura Taproot. I'm president of the new Dean Martin fan club. But Mrs. Tapu, Dean already has three or four fan clubs now. Yes, I know, but our club is novel. We only take older members from 50 years up. <laughs> you mean all the girls in this fan club are 50 years old? Yes. We used to adore H.V. Kaltenborn, but we switched over to Dean Martin. We got tired of having things explained. From now on, we're going to try to figure them out for ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, when did all this happen? Oh, you should be quite thrilled. You won out over so many, many others. You see, Vic Damone gets the girls from 16 to 20. Sinatra gets them from 20 to 30. Crosby gets them from 30 to 50. <laughs> well, there we were, ready and willing. <laughs> With uh, no one to swoon over. Oh, please, Mr. Martin, you, you don't think we girls of that age are being silly, do you? No. You certainly have a right to have your fling. Yes, that's what I told the club. Let's have our fling before we're all flung out. <laughs> <laughs> Say, lady. Yes? Are you for real? <laughs> you know, we listen faithfully to your program, Mr. Martin. And when you sing to us, well, the first night, Mrs. Crabtree dropped three stitches. <laughs> And when you sang your second song, the knitting stayed where it was and Mrs. Crabtree dropped. Well, all I can say is that I'm very flattered. I don't know quite what to say. This fan club of yours sounds like it's a very nice group of women. Oh, yes. We're mostly widows. Some of us are graying a little. <laughs> but I always say the young men of today are making a big mistake in not considering older women in their plans. Uh, but uh, really, I don't think many men would agree with you there, Mrs. Tabrat Roots. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, nobody would prefer, say, uh, nobody would uh, prefer Marjorie Maine if they could get Ava Gardner. I would, but I'm only 23 years old. What do I know? <laughs> Say, young man, are you really only 23 years old? That's right. <laughs> would you mind if I chucked you under the chin? Go ahead. Oh, my. I've been on the main course so long, I'd forgotten what an hors d'oeuvre looked like. <laughs> well, I'm afraid I've taken up too much of your time, but before I go, I wonder if I could ask a favor. Well, go right ahead, ma'am. Well, we girls have a favorite song, and we were wondering if you'd sing it for us. It's an old one called, Come Where My Love Lies. Dreaming? Of course we are! <laughs> Who cares? I'd be glad to sing a song you want, Mrs. Taproot. Oh, thank you, and goodbye, young man. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. I'm all agog with excitement. Tomorrow, I throw away my Dr. Scholl's foot pads and start flying. Goodbye. Goodbye. Dean, are you really going to sing that song she asked for? Sure, Jerry, but first we've got to go down to the hall and listen to Burl Ives. Somehow, I just can't see myself singing a folk tune. Me either. 
But Mr. Allen is a smart man. Maybe he knows what he's talking about. You know, can't hurt us to listen to Burl Eyes. When is three, four? When is dollars in the United States savings bonds? Yes, sir. Every three dollars in savings bonds are worth four when they mature. Every three hundred dollars brings you four hundred. Yes, and every $3,000 in savings bonds return you $4,000 in 10 short years. That's the kind of wonderful interest you get from your Uncle Sam when you save your money in savings bonds. Worthwhile, huh? And you can even save in savings bonds through an easy automatic plan, the payroll savings plan where you work. It's a plan for setting something aside in savings bonds out of your pay envelope each and every payday. Your company cashier will tell you all about it. If you're not on a payroll, you're your own boss. There's an equally convenient bond-a-month plan where you bank. Remember how your money grows and grows in savings bonds. Also, think of the opportunities money can help you take advantage of in the future, like buy your own business or home or the children a college education. So, save all the savings bonds you can now while you're earning. Well, this is the recording studio, Jay. Hey, mister, we want to talk to Burl Ives. Quiet. Mr. Ives is about to record. Okay, I'm sorry. Shh, Jerry. Let's listen. Great-grandfather met great-grandmother when she was a shy young miss. And great-grandfather won great-grandmother with words more or less like this. Lavender blue, dilly-dilly, lavender green. If I were king, dilly-dilly, I'd need a queen Who told me so, dilly-dilly, who told me so I told myself, dilly-dilly, I told me so If your dilly-dilly heart feels a dilly-dilly way And if you answer yes In a pretty little church on a dilly-dilly day You'll be wed in a dilly-dilly dress of lavender blue, dilly-dilly, lavender green. Then I'll be king, dilly-dilly, and you'll be my Well, that was wonderful, Mr. Ives. Why, thank you. Uh, I don't think we've met. Well, my name is Dean Martin. Well, well, uh, how do you do? And this is my partner. Well, well, how do you do, Dee? <laughs> hey, Mr. Ives, I'm Jerry Lewis, and I don't look like Howdy Doody. Howdy Doody's a television puppet with a silly wooden head and no expression on its face and clumsy hands and feet and... Dean? What? Pull up my strings. I'm ad-libbing too much. <laughs> Jerry's my partner, Mr. Ives. He's a great kid and a great comedian. Mr. Ives, Jerry and I wanted to ask your advice about something. Yeah, Mr. Ives, we admire you. Last year I read your book, Wayfaring Stranger, cover to cover, and I loved it. Oh, thank you, Jerry. Oh, that's nothing. Next year I'm going to read the pages between. When we came in the studio just now, Mr. Ives, you were singing Lavender Blue, but uh, I thought you always sang Western songs. I like his western tunes, don't you, Jerry? Well, I admire it powerful much, partner. And I'm an authority on western music. Uh, you're an authority on western music? Sure. Because I've lived in the west and I loves it. Partner, I want to tell all the folks that when I puts my Stetson and slides my Levi's into the riding leather on a bucking bronco to round up a herd of doggies, well, they're sure going to be rustlers on the stage tonight down by the old corral. Look how they're staring at me. <laughs> Has Jerry ever been in the West at all, Dean? Well, about a year ago, we played a date at the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. Flamingo Hotel? That sounds like a dude ranch to me. Dude ranch? Why, partner, it's really a dude ranch. All the horses have Tony Cold waves. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, Jerry. Dude ranch? Why, I didn't call my horse Old Paint. I called him Old Lipstick. <laughs> old, old Lipstick? That's right. You heard of the flying red horse? Yeah. Well, Old Lipstick didn't fly. He just skipped along. <laughs> Jerry. You asked me if it was a dude ranch, eh, partner? Why, when I'd ride old lipstick real hard, he didn't perspire. He broke out in taboo. <laughs> Jerry. Jerry, Jerry, what's all this got to do with, with your being an authority on Western music? Well, I am. 
And I really appreciate the way you can play that guitar, Mr. Ives. I appreciate it especially because me. I play the guitar like crazy. A professional? Nah. How come? Who wants to hire a crazy guitar player? Aw, <laughs> oh, come on. Stop it, Jerry. We came in here to ask Mr. Ives about singing folk songs. I know he did, Dean, but first I want him to hear something new. This music is so new, it doesn't have a name yet. Ooh, coo bop, boo Well, what do you think, Mr. Ives? Jerry, tell me one thing. Are you for real? You know something? I'm not for sure. I was singing. I was singing Bop. Bop? I thought you swallowed an Alka-Seltzer sidewise. Jerry, if you'll keep quiet for just two minutes, I'll tell Mr. Ives why we came in to see him. You see, Capitol Records wants us to record another number, and uh, we were wondering if we might try a folk tune for our next recording. A folk tune, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, I've never heard you sing, Dean, but I'm told that you've got a very fine baritone voice and that you sing a nice ballad. Oh, he does. Go ahead. Yeah. Dean, sing a few notes for Mr. Ives. Well, okay. Uh, here's the number I'm singing on the show this week. I don't see me In your eyes anymore Why can't I Make them shine as before I don't see you For your heart in your kiss When you should sigh That your mind you There was a time Life was fine Love was ecstasy But now I doubt what the outcome will be. I pray you'll say I'm the one you adore. Then I'll see me. In your eyes as before. That was beautiful, Dean. I mean, that was beautiful, Dean. Wasn't it, Mr. Ives? Oh, yes, it sounded very good, Dean. Well, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But do you think I can sing folk songs? That's a hard question. It's all a question, you know, of your background. If you were brought up in the country like I was, well, you'd sing folk songs as easy as uh, falling out of bed. Yeah, but I've been singing popular songs all my life. Well, that's the best racket, Dean. Sing uh, popular songs. Uh, that gets the girls. There's no point in singing folk songs like me. Why? Uh, what do you get with folk songs? Folks? Folks. <laughs> anything wrong with folks. I've got a wonderful set. <laughs> well, you boys don't realize how lucky you are. You got started in show business fast with an agent and in good places instead of the backwoods like I did. You started in the backwoods? I was so far back that for the first two years, my agent was Daniel Boone. <laughs> you see, you can't really know about a folk song like the Foggy Foggy Do unless you're born in the, in the country. I was born in Newark, and they understand about Foggy Foggy Do. Only there they call it Jersey Lightning. Just what I said See, you don't understand folk music Now, uh, uh, how can you sing a song like Well, Jimmy Crack Corn and I Don't Care If you don't know what it means Oh, I know Jimmy Crack Corn and I Don't Care That's about a comedian named Jimmy Cracking Corny Jokes And I Don't Care If He Is Laying In There Gee, Burley, it, it must have been pretty rugged for you growing up in the back country that way. No, I had fun when I was a kid. I spent a whole, my whole boyhood working, gathering eggs. We always had plenty of milk and real vegetables, fresh fruit everywhere. Gee, what a funny place to grow up in a delicatessen. <laughs> well, I don't now think you... I'd have minded 
being born in the country, Burl. Me neither. Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam and the deer and the cantaloupe play. <laughs> the deer and the cantaloupe play? Yeah, he's back in the delicatessen again. <laughs> you know something, Jerry? Burl Ives has got nothing to worry about. Say, Burl. <laughs> yes, Dave. <laughs> uh, we want to thank you for being with us today, and uh, we enjoyed hearing you sing your sensational tune, Lavender Blue. Well, thank you very much. It's and we, a great we, pleasure, we, yeah. Thank we enjoyed the much. wonderful... It's okay, fellas. Well, it's all right. Well, we enjoyed the thank wonderful work. Thank you very work. much. It's all yeah, right. Yeah, we enjoyed... Well, thank, you, well, thank you, Laura. Thank you, Laura. The Martin and Lewis Show, transcribed in New York, is produced by Robert L. Redd and written by Dick McKnight, Ray Allen, Roger Price, and Sid Resnick. This is Bob Warren suggesting you tune in to your NBC station next Sunday evening at the same hour for The Martin and Lewis Show! <laughs> this is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Mother, is Maxwell House really the only coffee in the world? Well, your father says so, and your father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons, brought to you by Maxwell House the coffee that's bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee at any price. Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. All great men, it seems, are born on special days. Abraham Lincoln, for example, was born on Lincoln's birthday. Coincidence, isn't it? In Springfield, where Jim Anderson was born, they do things in a slightly different manner. So Jim shares his birthday with George Washington. That was yesterday, and in the white frame house on Maple Street, they had quite a time. It went something like this. Bud! You want me, Mom? Are you almost finished down there? Just about. I have to put up one more string of balloons. Well, please hurry, dear. Your father will be home any minute. Okay. Did you get Mr. Gribble, Mother? Oh, dear, I knew there was something. He's the only one I couldn't reach. It's too bad because I know your father'd like him to be here. I bet Daddy's going to be surprised. Well, if he isn't, it won't be our fault. And if you say one word to him... Oh, I won't, Betty. I didn't this morning, did I? No, but you certainly came close a couple of times. And that dopey little smile you dug up. You look like the Mona Lisa, junior grade. <laughs> What's that? Never mind. Betty, you know, I'm not sure that we did the right thing at breakfast. How's that, Mother? Well, your father looked so hurt. The least we could have done was wish him a happy birthday. Oh, no, Mommy. Mother, you're going to spoil everything. Father even said birthdays weren't important when you got to be his age. <laughs> I know, dear, but... And if he knows that we remembered his birthday, he might suspect something. Everything's all finished, Mom. Oh, that's fine, bud. Oh, you've done a wonderful job, all of you. And I haven't even said anything. Now, don't forget, Bud. You've got to get Father out of the house at 7.45. Yeah, I know. But holy cow, how am I going to do that? Bud, you don't want him to see the people when they come in, do you? It's a surprise party. But how am I going to get him out? Jumping creepers, you only have to get him out for 15 minutes. What's so hard about that? Well, if it's so easy, why don't you do it? Daddy's home. Oh, the sandwiches. Betty, put them in the pantry. Okay. He isn't coming in here. Well, that's peculiar. I'd better go in and see. Jim? Yes? We thought we heard you come in, dear. Is anything wrong? No, nothing's wrong. Nothing important, anyway. Jim, you sound so strange. Hiya, Dad. What goes? Hi, Daddy. Hello. I'll be in the den when dinner's ready. Now, just a minute, Jim Anderson. You're not going to walk away from us like that. We didn't do anything. Oh, you didn't, huh? Jim, if there's anything wrong, we have a right to know what it is. You have a right to know what it is, do you? You haven't the faintest idea. All right, I'll tell you what it is. 
I don't ask for a great deal from this family. A minimum of respect and courtesy, that's all. But I certainly think that when a man's birthday comes around... Oh, Jim. Well, the least you can do is remember it. <laughs> Jim Anderson. And stop looking at me as though I had three heads. <laughs> all of you. It isn't the least bit funny. Jim, darling, I was telling the children just before you got here that... Mother! Uh, uh, something's burning in the kitchen. Burning? Why, Betty, I turned up all... Oh. Well, I'd um, better go and see what it is. Man works hard for his wife and family and tries to give them all the advantages he can manage. What thanks does he get? They don't even remember his birthday. Holy cow, Dad, you said birthdays didn't mean anything. When did I say that? When you forgot moms. <laughs> but I did not forget your mother's birthday. If you'll remember, I bought her the largest bottle of perfume in Springfield. Not that I expected you to buy anything for me, of course. Of course. I don't care anything about getting presents. I mean, even a small thing like a necktie or something. Dan. It isn't a gift, it's the thought behind it that counts. Dan. And it isn't as though it were a hard day to remember. I mean, like October 19th or August 64th or something like that. Dan. But Washington's birthday, the easiest day of the whole year. How could you possibly forget? Dan. What is it, bud? Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. I'll get it, Father. Never mind, I'll answer it myself. Man has a birthday once a year, nobody even remembers it. Fine thing. Hello? Oh, hello, Mr. Gribble. Yes, just fine, thank you. You what? What message? I didn't leave any message. To call me? Are you sure? Well, uh, just a minute. I'll ask Margaret. Uh, Margaret? Yes, dear? Did you call Mr. Gribble? Uh, what was that, dear? I said, did you call Mr. Gribble? Mr. Gribble? Why, uh... Why should I call Mr. Gribble, dear? Margaret, the man's on the phone. He got a message to call us. I didn't leave any message. Well, Jim, what possible reason could I have for calling Mr. Gribble? If that isn't just like a woman. All you had to say was no. Yes, dear. Hello, Mr. Gribble. Well, Margaret doesn't know anything about it. Uh-uh. Well, they probably got the name wrong. You know how it is. Oh, uh, by the way, New York sent me the revised figures on that compensation setup. All right, any time you say. No, I'll be free all evening. Eight o'clock? Fine, see you later. Jim, you're not going to meet Mr. Gribble tonight. Why not? Well, uh, it's your birthday. What's that got to do with it? My birthday certainly wasn't important a few minutes ago. Jim, I don't know how the children are going to feel about this. Father, we just had the most wonderful idea. Wait till you hear it, Dad. We're going to have a wonderful time, all of us. Now, just a minute. Your mother was about to tell me something. I know. I mean, she was? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Jim. I, I guess it wasn't important. Well, you ought to know. What is it, Betty? Well, Father, even if we did forget your birthday, we're all very sorry. Yes? And we've decided to devote our entire evening to making you happy. Fine. I won't even be here. <laughs> but you can't go out, Father. You'll spoil everything. What do you mean? Well, um, uh, tell him, bud. What? Oh, oh, uh, well, uh, we, uh, we had a lot of things, uh, figured out to do, Dan. Like what? Well, uh, we, uh, we thought that we'd, uh, play the radio. He means games, Father. We'll all play games. Like spin the bottle. Oh, fine. I can't think of anything I'd enjoy more than a good, fast game of spin the bottle. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to work. But you can't work, Father, not on your birthday. I worked all day. I know, but you can't work at night. New law, huh? <laughs> the man on the radio said it was gonna snow, or rain, or something. <laughs> Margaret. Yes, dear? There seems to have developed a concerted and rather unusual desire for my company. 
How come? Well, frankly, Jim... Mother! We... Well, we hoped that if we made your evening a pleasant one, you um, might forgive us for not remembering your birthday. We could even have a little celebration. Just the five of us. And we could make popcorn. And get some ice cream. It'd be just like a regular party, Daddy. Well... You'd make us all very happy, dear. I don't get it. If my birthday means that much to you... Oh, it does, Father. It sure does. Why did you forget it in the first place? We're stupid. <laughs> well, all right. I'll call Gribble and tell him we'll make it tomorrow. Gee, that's great, Dad. Would you like me to call him for you, Father? No, I'd better do it myself. He's certainly going to wonder if I've got all my buttons. Make an appointment and then cancel it five minutes later. I'm sure he'll understand, Jim. I wish I could be that sure. Hello, Mr. Gribble. Uh, this is Jim Anderson. Well, about that appointment for tonight, I, uh... You see, it's my birthday, and I... Well, I... I guess it slipped my mind. Yes. Well, uh, birthdays don't mean very much to me anymore, but, uh... Well, my family wants me to stay home with them. You know how it is. Yes. Uh, suppose I call you in the morning, Mr. Gribble. Right. What? Oh, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, good night. Well, I guess that takes care of that. Something wrong, Kathy? No, I was just thinking. About what? George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, dinner about ready? Oh, just about, dear. I'd better go upstairs and wash. Fine family. One minute they don't even know it's your birthday, and the next they'll die if you leave them alone. Wow, that was a close one. Well, as long as he didn't leave, everything's going to be all right. And I didn't even say anything. <laughs> I know, dear. You were a very good girl. Say, Mom. Yes, bud? There's only one thing I don't understand. What's that, dear? We got him to stay home. Now, how am I going to get him out? <laughs> well, Bud's got to figure that one out for himself. You know, we all do in lots of ways, as some of you may have found out just recently. About coffee in particular. Have you been shopping around more for your coffee since the price went up? Trying this brand and that in the name of economy? If you have, I'll bet lots of you have discovered this fact. Maxwell House is true economy. A friend of my wife's did. She was telling us just the other night. You see, when prices went up, she started buying cheaper coffee. Might not taste as good, she figured, but it ought to be more economical. First thing she found, though, it took lots more to make the breakfast coffee strong enough. And even then, the flavor just wasn't there. So meal after meal, her family would leave their cups unfinished. She said, that settled it for me. Maxwell House is true economy. Sure it is. Because you get so many more truly good cups of coffee from every pound. Just see how much more your family enjoys that wonderful Maxwell House flavor. So good to the last drop, they drink every drop. Discover the extra freshness the clear, rich taste that's vacuum-packed in that familiar blue tin. You'll say Maxwell House is true economy. So get your money's worth and more. Get Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. It's 7.45 in the white frame house on Maple Street, and time for Jim's surprise birthday party. With great effort, the Andersons have managed to keep father at home. Now, with the guests about to arrive, they can't get rid of him. Like this. Dad. Yes, bud? After you finish the paper, uh, you wouldn't like to go down to the drugstore with me, would you? Why do you have to go to the drugstore? I don't. <laughs> hmm, I imagine you can explain that, but I'd just assume you didn't. Well, I just thought that... Would you like to take a walk? No, thank you. 
Go for a ride? No, thank you. You want to clean out the garage? <laughs> but what's the matter with you? Nothing. I... Let's go sit upstairs in my room. <laughs> what for? Well, it, it's comfortable. I'm quite comfortable right where I am. Yeah, huh? Yeah. And stop fidgeting. Okay. Uh, excuse me, will you, Dad? Oh, sure. Whenever you're free, stop back and we'll figure out some more places I don't want to go. But <laughs> crying out loud, Betty, now what's the matter? You're supposed to have him out of here. It's a quarter of eight. But he won't go. He has to go. Everybody will be here any minute. Well, what do you want me to do about it? I can't hit him over the head. It's his birthday. <laughs> What's going on out there? Nothing, Dad. I'll be with you in a minute. You better go back, Bud, and see if he can't think of something. Where are you going? Back into the kitchen. <laughs> I've got to talk to Mom. This is getting desperate. Has your father gone, dear? No, he's sitting in there as big as life. A lot of help Bud turned out to be. Well, Betty, we may as well face it. We're not going to get your father out of the house. But we have to, Mother. It'll spoil everything. Maybe not. We can do it another way. I'll just put a note on the front porch asking everybody to come in the back way. But Daddy will hear them. Oh, I don't think so. He will, Mother. He's bound to hear them going down to the playroom. Not if you're all singing. Oh, that's an idea. Why do we have to sing? <laughs> so Father won't hear anything. It's a wonderful idea, Mother. Well, it's the best we can do. Margaret! Just a minute. Yes, Jim? What are you doing in there? Uh, we'll be finished in a few minutes, dear. Well, hurry up, will you, before Bud shoves me out the front door. <laughs> All right, dear. Now, remember, girls, sing and loud if you hear anything. Now, I'll go around to the front and leave the note. All right, Mother. Come on, Kathy. Gee whiz. Why do we have to sing? I don't feel like singing. <laughs> Tell your father I'll join you in about five minutes. Okay, Mother. Betty, what are we going to sing? What difference does that make? Well, how can I sing loud if I don't know what I'm singing? <laughs> well... We'll sing the birthday song. We can't. That's what they're going to sing at the party. Oh, how about for he's a jolly good fellow? Why? Because it's loud. <laughs> I know louder ones. That's loud enough. Hi, Father. We're going to sing. Hi, where's your mother? She said she'd be right in. Well, I guess I'd better... Betty, uh, it isn't cold in here, is it? A little. Why? Oh, you can't feel cold. Dad says he wants to go down and look at the furnace. The furnace? Oh, no, it's hot. It's very hot. Isn't it, Kathy? <laughs> what is? <laughs> the house. It's hotter than it's ever been. It's roasting. I don't think so. <laughs> Father, please don't worry about the furnace. It's your birthday, and we're going to have all kinds of fun. Betty... You and Bud wouldn't have any bodies buried in the basement, would you? <laughs> bodies? <laughs> well, why would we want to put bodies in the basement? <laughs> we keep all our bodies in the attic, don't we, Bud? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we sure do. <laughs> Boy, that's a good one. <laughs> Have they been like this all day? Who? Betty and Bud. Why? I'm going inside to see your mother. No, you can't. Now, just a minute. I've had just about enough of this. What's going on around here? Oh, why nothing, Dad. We, uh, we just want you to have a good time. Well, if this is your idea of a good time... What was that? What was what? I didn't hear anything. Did you, Kathy? Oh, no! I distinctly heard somebody at the back door. Oh, uh, that was Mother. She, she took the garbage out. I took it out before. <laughs> Maybe 
say she's bringing it back. <laughs> Bud, how would you like to go to bed? Right now. Holy cow, Dad, all I said was... Father, we're supposed to be having a party, so why don't we all sing? We haven't done anything like that all winter. Well, you know, we haven't at that, by golly. That's a good idea. I said it before and nobody even listened. Well, we'll listen now, honey. Come on, Betty, you can play for us. All right, Father. Um, would you please get me a cushion from the couch? Gladly, Your Highness. Your slightest wish is my command. What's going on? Mother's bringing everybody in the back way. Oh. And we have to sing He's a Jolly Good Fellow. Loud. Shh. One cushion coming up. There you are, Betty. Thank you, Father. This might turn out to be quite a party after all. Now, uh, what do we sing? Well, Betty said that... Kathy, be quiet. It's your birthday, Dad. Why don't you pick it? All right. How about, uh... For he's, he's a Jolly Good Fellow. He's a Jolly Good Fellow. What was that for? That's for your birthday, Dad. Oh, well, uh, thank you. Which Which nobody That's very nice. Thank you. Now, uh, how about down by the old mill stream? It's kind of corny, isn't it, Dad? <laughs> it isn't very loud, either. <laughs> now, just a minute, both of you. It isn't your birthday, it's Father's. And if he wants to sing down by the old mill stream, why, that's what we'll sing. Right, Father? Right. Well, uh... Which nobody can deny! Nobody can deny! For he's a jolly good fellow! For he's a jolly good fellow! For he's a jolly good fellow! Which nobody can deny! What happened to Down by the Old Minister? We'll have lots of time for that, Father. We were... For he's a jolly good fellow! For he's a jolly good fellow! getting a little monotonous, isn't it? <laughs> Which nobody can deny. Which nobody can deny. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. Which nobody can deny. Well, now that we've done down by the old mill street, <laughs> how about... Uh, for he's a jolly good fellow. For oh, he's stop. a jolly good into you. Don't you know how to sing anything else? But it's your birthday, Father. And that's so loud. <laughs> well, aren't you having a fine time? Margaret, what's the matter with these children? They're behaving like a bunch of lowercase lunatics. <laughs> well, I, um... My, isn't it chilly in here? Mother. Oh, but it is, dear. I think your father ought to go down and take a look at the furnace. You do? I certainly <clears throat> do. You mean we don't have to sing anymore? <laughs> Later, dear. I don't know. If this isn't the goofiest family in the United States, it certainly comes close. <clears throat> yes, dear, but the furnace, remember? It's awfully chilly, Father. Oh, it is, is it? Five minutes ago, you were roasting. Well, I know, but, but now I'm cold. We're freezing. It won't take you a minute, Jim. Please take a look at it. Oh, for crying out loud. Don't be long, dear. I won't. Silliest darn family I've ever seen in my life. Stay home, go out. Fix the furnace, don't fix the furnace. Can't make up their minds, if any. 
I told him it was cold ten minutes ago. No, I have to do it their way. Everything has to be done the way they want it. Hmm. For he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow, which nobody can deny. Well, for goodness sake. <laughs> It's certainly been a mixed-up birthday for Father, but everything's straight now. You know, so often we seem to be in the midst of confusion, and then comes the light, which leads to this point. Ladies, with coffee prices higher today, remember Maxwell House is true economy. Yes, Maxwell House is true economy. Of course, you can buy cheaper coffees in the store, but are they really economical? There's no economy in coffee when you have to use lots more to get it strong enough. And even then, you can't get the flavor you want. There's no economy in coffee so stingy with its flavor, your family leaves their cups unfinished. But Maxwell House now, Maxwell House is true economy. So many more cups of wonderfully good coffee in every pound. So extra rich and full of flavor. So good to the last drop, it leaves you wanting more. Yes, there's real reason why more people drink Maxwell House than any other brand at any price. Maxwell House is true economy. Tomorrow, ask for Maxwell House. Get your money's worth and more with coffee that's always good to the last drop. It's quite late in the white frame house on Maple Street. Long past bedtime, as a matter of fact. The Anderson kids are sound asleep. But in the master bedroom, Jim and Margaret are busy with a pair of widely divergent thoughts. Like this. Oh, dear. Hmm, what? Oh, nothing, dear. I was just thinking of tomorrow. They made quite a mess, didn't they? Oh, I wouldn't worry about it too much. It was quite a party, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, dear, it certainly was. You know, in a way, I feel a little guilty. I mean, you and the kids had to work so hard. Oh, we didn't mind, dear. I know the children had a wonderful time surprising you so completely. Well... I wouldn't say it was a complete surprise. What was that, Mr. Washington? Hmm? Oh, well, I mean, after all, when the, uh, um... Margaret. Yes, dear? Have you ever seen anything more beautiful than those matched irons the kids gave me? No, dear. If I don't break 90 with those, I'll quit. <laughs> yes, dear. I'd have settled for a necktie, I really would. But those irons. Now, there's a birthday present I'll never forget. I know, dear. Must have cost the kids a fortune. Well, not exactly, dear. They kept watching for a sale at Gorman's. That was a good idea. And then they charged them. <laughs> oh. Good night, Margaret. Good night, dear. <laughs> Instant Maxwell House means great coffee instantly in your cup. Here's real instant coffee. All pure Maxwell House coffee in instant form. Enjoy instant Maxwell House instantly. Good to the very last you know what. Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Bargey and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Say, Bill. Yes, Bob? You won't forget about Saturday, will you? Oh, that's right. 
On Saturday, February 25th, Bob Young will be in Albany, New York to attend a ceremony during which 2,000 young drivers and their parents are going to join the Robert Young Good Drivers Club and sign the man-to-man and dad-to-daughter agreements. Does that do it, Bob? Yes, except that there's going to be a parade, and if they're looking for me, I'll be the one sitting between Governor Dewey and Mayor Corny. See you on Saturday, Albany. That he will. And now until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee, always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Screen Guild Theater, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.